Welcome into College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. Bright and early on a Friday morning. The women wrapped up a couple days ago. The men literally just teeing off as we're recording this. So we thought it'd be a good time to jump in, record a quick pod, and get our thoughts on what we saw on week one at Greyhawk. NCAAs, great to be back after the cancellation last year. And let's sort of jump right in at Brentley. Uh, the the good, the bad, and the indifferent. Maybe we'll make our way to how things finished. I was bullish on South Carolina all year long. After 18 holes, they were last. They were 24 over par. They basically played the next 54 holes in about two or three over par for the championship. But um, sadly, if you were a supporter of the Gamecocks, you could argue they were done after 18 holes, although it was a valiant effort. And then Wake Forest, the collapse on Monday coming down the stretch securely in for match play in about 45 minutes, their season just fell apart. I'm still shaking my head on, on how that happened literally in about three holes with four players. There were so many surprising things from South Carolina, Wake Forest to USC, not even making the 54-hole cut. But these were two squads, Burko, that coming into the year, you looked at the depth and you just thought that they were easily going to get into match play and that once they got in there, they were going to be a tough out. And to see weight collapse on the stretch, that was that was really tough to see because I don't think for any second the first couple of days I really thought that, that they were going to be in much trouble. I mean, Rachel Keene seemed to be playing well. Uh, I, I think the only issue was their best player, arguably the entire year, Lauren Walsh, she, she had her worst tournament of the year. And that's just a recipe for uh, not advancing at the NCAAs. Yeah. I mean, on our broadcast Monday, I remember them and they were 14 over. We're thinking 20, 21, 22 is going to be the magic number. And I'm looking at the board and they drop six shots like that. And then we see Swing Lou makes a nine or 10 on the fourth. There are a couple other doubles and it just sort of spiraled out of control. Um, but we had some drama coming down the stretch. We thought Arizona State likely was going to be done, but then they weren't. And then we're wondering about Arizona and then Florida State. Well, they're going to be in. Oh, my gosh. Their last player makes double on their last. Well, that's what makes that Monday from a viewer standpoint must see TV because you're going to see the, the good and the bad uh, all at the same time. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that, that Alice Hodge was, was in that position and, and ended up missing that putt. Um, I, I, I was impressed by her this week. I mean, even with that double, she finished a, you know, she notched a top 35 finish. I think she's going to be a good player for uh, coach Amy Bond and, and that team moving forward. But, but also I'm, I'm I'm looking at the uh, scores, Broco, and obviously it's been a few days since since I looked at these, but how about Ana Pelez's, uh start to the final round? 9-5-3-1. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, which, yeah, she played like the first four holes of one over, so in, in the most bizarre way of uh, doing that. Um, but, you know, from South Carolina struggles, and you could argue, hey, they were fortunate to get through regional. You know, it took a playoff there. Um, but that's what makes makes it all so much fun. And, and we'd be remiss if we didn't pay off Monday with Rachel Heck, mm -hmm. individual champion from Stanford, a freshman, 
just the third player to ever win conferences, regionals, and NCAAs in the same year. Annie Park in 2013 from USC, Marissa Baena in 1996 from Arizona. Uh, I was intrigued that they were all freshmen. They were all from the Pac-12. And Annie and Rachel basically did it in their first semester, Annie joining USC's team midseason. And this past season, Stanford didn't play in the fall. The Pac-12 passed because of the pandemic. Six wins, Annika Award winner presented by Stiefel. Quick blush, it's perhaps the greatest spring season we have ever seen, period, in women's golf. And, and that's Wow. Difficult for me to say because the greatest season I've ever seen, and still the standard is 01. Lorena Ochoa played in 10 events, won eight of them, the first seven, and came in second in the other two. Lost but to for three Ra- people all year, I think. Yeah. So, but for Rachel Heck to come out, do what she did, start this week, arguably as the favorite, and you know, the final round was indifferent, but she, it was clinical the first three days. I mean, she had a stretch of 12 straight rounds in the spring, not under par, in the 60s. She has the new single season scoring record in women's Division One college golf, 69 point, believe, 7-2. Uh, it's, and she's delightful. She checks every box as a student athlete. Um, I hope she stays around for a long time. She's going to be a joy to to cover here in the next few years yeah she's she's a super special player in in person I I remember gosh I guess it's been five or six years now playing in the Annika Invitational Junior Am and get paired with a 14 year old who no one knew anything about yet and she had like all, all I remember is like she she had like this long curly hair it's just like the most hair I've ever seen on someone like that small and uh, <laughs> she, she stepped up and she made 18 pars, which in a normal tournament round, that's actually pretty good. But in a junior amp, she wasn't helping us out much with those pars. So I, I always gave her a, a hard time about that. But she certainly uh, is, is making plenty of birdies now. And she, she just drove it unbelievable this week. And I think that's a precursor to what we're going to see with the men. Whoever, whoever can drive it the best, I think, is going to have a, a really good chance of winning. But going back to the scoring average, it, it should should there be a little asterisk uh, next to that since she didn't play quite as many rounds as Lauren Stevenson did uh, a couple years ago? Or yeah, you know that's a legit question when you see it. And I not to take to... anything away from from Rachel because she played unbelievable and six wins and you know probably yeah, one have, of the I, biggest runaway winners of the Annika too so very deserving but still <laughs> no you're right and I'd have to look because Stanford went obviously very heavy in the spring with events because they didn't play in the fall so I bet maybe Lauren played six eight ten more rounds um but nonetheless you throw up a, a number like that um wow is all I can say it was uh extremely impressive all spring then we jumped to match play and we're thinking Stanford's a one seed you know they won by gosh what was it 13 strokes so that's always one of those things people say of top seeds they never win for the women the switch to match play and it was Gile Bite Starkute uh, ruining the dreams of the Stanford Cardinal with <laughs> that you like on the that one. hey you know it's all about the names on the broadcast but um 
I was surprised, but again, it shows you why it, it's a, it's a crapshoot. You know, you make it the match play. I thought we had eight really darn good teams there and, and it was going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I, I was talking to golf weeks, Lance Ringler uh, the other day and he was saying how, Basically, how he picked his bracket was he just went with what he didn't think was going to happen because that's match play. It's it's whatever team you think is going to win, it's going to be the other team. And Arizona shades a shades a twenty eighteen. I, I know Bianca Pagdanan's uh, eagle putt was to get into match play, but same length, twenty five feet. Uh, obviously, Chileus was from the fringe a little bit, but. You know, there was a lot of parallels and, uh, you know, I, I, I was half waiting for the, the, the Wildcats to, to make a run all the way through and win it again. But uh, alas, they they didn't do that. But, you know, still, I mean, we we, we had some really incredible matches, it, particularly that Ole Miss-Texas match where you had two matches go past 20 holes. I think it was 22 holes and 21 holes. The freshman Smilla Sonderby winning with bogey on, on that 21st hole. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of birdies, a lot of bogeys, a lot of, you know, just really good shots and a lot of excitement. It was. And then we sort of navigated old miss at the East Lake cup last fall. And I think you and I were like, this is a team to keep an eye on. And lo and behold, solid and stroke play make their way through the quarters and the semis and, you get to championship Wednesday in Oklahoma State and Old Miss. Very good teams, very good season. Don't think you would have had anyone three or six months ago saying those were the two, but that's what makes it so uh, intriguing. And both programs were not only looking for their first women's national championship in golf, but in any sport. Mm-hmm. That Wednesday, I thought what was great to watch, but bigger than the championship for women's sports. I thought I thought there were that underlying tone um, was monumental. And let me tell you that they delivered Old Miss. It was uh, crazy to see how good they were against a very good team in Oklahoma State, especially Kennedy Swan out of the gate, two or three down, and she flips it on Maya Stark. Yeah, no, it's it's always good when you enter the day and you know that no matter what, you're going to get, you know, a special kind of history. But I, I, I was shocked to find out, you know, doing some research going into that match that Oklahoma State has 52 men's national championships. 11 are obviously in golf, but 34 wrestling. I think I did know that, but still seeing that number kind of kind of threw me off. And then Ole Miss with three football championships. I think they need to uh, revisit those a little bit. They, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not quite sure if we can count those. <laughs> yeah, those were back in the day where people laid claim to a lot of titles, although they were very good uh, in the 50s and 60s. But um, to see what Greg Robertson in the second year at Oklahoma State has done, and as he told me that morning, the cupboard wasn't bare. The prior staff really had done a, a nice job of getting players, but I, I'll be honest, I didn't expect year two that they'd be in a national championship match. Yeah, I mean, he he entered uh, two years ago. Uh, Liana Bailey, I, I believe, was a freshman. He had Maya Stark, Isabella Fierro coming in. He obviously added a couple good freshmen this year and Rena Tate-Matsu and Madison Henson-Tolchard. And, 
mean, you put all those players together and, you know, they're, they're pretty, pretty formidable. I, I, I will admit, you know, I didn't, I didn't know much about them other than Fierro and Stark. Um, you know, I knew, I knew Stark was a super powerful player with, you know, a lot of speed, a lot of creativity around the greens. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be one of the favorites and, you know, for, for years to come, as long as Greg's there, but, you know, switching to, to Ole Miss and the job that, that Corey Hankus has done in five or six years since, since she's been there, you know, like I believe her first year, they were ranked 113th in the country. Um, I've got, I've got 134, 134. according to Corey. Yeah. 134 in the country six years ago. Uh, continue though. I wanted to, because it makes the story in my opinion, so much richer and deeper when you see where they were to where they ended just a couple of days ago. Well, yeah, she, she said her first team meeting way back when, uh, I think it was 2015. She said, you know, my, my goal is to win sec titles and national titles. And she said a couple of girls looked around and were, and kind of laughed and were like, yeah, not, not here. <laughs> we're not doing that here. And lo and behold, you know, here they are. And I, I think a big, we talked about Kennedy Swan, obviously her transferring from Clemson a couple of years ago was huge. Uh, she, she got off to a little bit of a slow start. She was a little bit of a wild child too. They kind of reined her in. She went three and zero that year at SECs and they won their first SEC championship, make NCAAs again, tied for 14th. They've just gotten a little bit better every year. But going back, the, the key has been Julia Johnson. I, I thought it was really cool how she told the story about when she went with two of, two of her friends. She was an LSU commit. Her two friends were Ole Miss commits. They, they made a visit to Oxford. LSU was actually playing the Rebels, and they, they got a sideline pass. And Corey, being you know a respectful coach, didn't, didn't go up to Julia, didn't talk to her because she knew that she was an, uh, an LSU commit. But Julia said just watching Corey just kind of from afar and really seeing her passion and, and, and seeing what she was about made her want to decommit all, her, all on her own. She calls Corey up and says, hi, I'm Julia Johnson. I, I'd, I'd love to play for you. And that's what it takes to take a program from being middle of the road to something special. It takes that one or two seniors that really want to make something. And I, I think there's a lot to be said for that because in college golf right now, think, think about how busy the transfer portal is. I mean, everyone want to, wants to go to, to a winner and everyone wants to be around, you know, a bunch of, you know, really good players and, and, and stuff. And, and, and that's fair, but, you know, I, I, I still think there's something to be said for, wanting to kind of start something your own and, and going someplace that maybe isn't a very good situation in terms of winning championships and, and doing that and bringing the school their first championship. And so you could really see how much it meant to this, this program. I mean, I don't know if, if, if you remember Burko being a, a, a Gator, but remember the Ole Miss team with Eli Manning that came into the swamp in 2003 or 2002 and won. Remember that? Oh, I do. I, yes, I do. And then the running back on that team, Ron McClendon. Name rings a bell. So he, he was, he was at uh, the, the final on Wednesday. He was at Greyhawk with his wife. She played golf for, for Ole Miss. They both graduated in 03. They were there with their two sons. And he, he's like, 
you know, we, we live in Scottsdale. I knew this, this was going on. I, I, I knew they made the final and we couldn't do this, but this is why I'm here because them winning it is for everybody. It's not just for the team. It's not for the coaches. It's for that entire program. And it was really cool to see just how, I mean, you could really see how much it meant to him, you know, and we're talking about a guy who hasn't played football there in 20 years. And it was, it was really cool to see. Yeah, there's no doubt. And that's what uh, Corey Henkes had told me that morning. Uh, you know, it's about this team, but it's about the school, the university, the alumni. I mean, it's, it's borderline unthinkable five, six years ago that they are here and taking nothing away from them. Give Corey all the credit. You nailed it with Julia Johnson's story. She, she is old Miss golf. She is the reason this program has turned around. As you said, a couple of in different years for Kennedy Swan, there was a huge heart to heart. A lot of coaches were telling Corey, you might want to think twice about it with Kennedy Swan. And Kennedy said it on our air of, they helped me. They made me grow up. They made me mature. It was, you know, there's no three strikes and out. And look what she's done. I mean, that's what makes this championship in these stories so remarkable. And you talk about Eli Manning, you know, Bob Papa, who uh, does play by play uh, with us on our broadcast, is the voice of the New York Giants. Eli Manning was texting Bob Papa saying, This is amazing to watch. <laughs> so uh, they're watching. It's fun and a tip of the cap to Old Miss, to Oklahoma State. Let me tell you, Greyhawk, the committee, they've knocked it out of the park. I didn't this hear. The course was tough but fair. The setup in terms of the you know infrastructure, the hotel, I mean, it. they've checked every box. Uh, and it's great that we've got a couple more years there. And obviously, we've got another championship again just underway as we're taping this Friday morning. The men round one. Um, it's I I don't know what to expect. And remember, I told you through regionals or before, and I said, "Here are our thoughts. Here are our ideas." And all heck's gonna break loose. And all heck sort of broke loose in certain spots. Um, Oklahoma rallied late just to get through regionals. I mean, there were teams that you said, "Uh oh." Um, but as they tee off, I'm going to, I'm going to be true to my word. I think this is Pepperdine's year. Wow. I, I've said it all spring. You know, I, I think I've said it all college golf season and, and I'm never going to waver from it. Um, yeah, st stick with your pick. Yeah. Again, I stuck with USC or South Carolina, the other USC for the women and they didn't make it, but, um, I think this is truly wide. I mean, I think there are 8, 10, 12 teams that could easily win this on the men's side. You yeah, know, I, I, I definitely agree. I, I'm, I'm counting it right now. I think there's 12 of the top 13 teams or 13 of the top 14 teams here, which I, I, I mean, we, we could go back, but I, I don't think we've ever had that many. I think there's always been a few pretty big upsets. I know we've had some top seeds in, and regionals a, a couple times in the past five or six years, not make it through. But yeah, I mean, you, you could make a case for every team making the 54 hole cut, at least. I mean, even, even the mid majors, I mean, East Tennessee state won that regional in Washington, uh, little rock. I mean, they're birdieing 
you know, four times, or I think they had what four birdies on, on, on the last hole at Carson Creek to make it through. Um, you got Sam Houston state. That's going to have five players again, that that was an incredible story with, with their best player, Will Holcomb getting contact traced the night before the final round and them rallying without a drop score to get through. But there's a ton of really good mid majors that there's some really good teams at the top. Um, I, I know the last pod I said, hey, maybe South Carolina struggling, you know, having that scare, having to get through via a playoff was going to inject some life into them, and, and it didn't. And I, I still think that's going to happen to Oklahoma. But at the same time, Quade Cummins has not been playing very good golf recently. I mean, he's been playing good golf, but he hasn't been playing Quade Cummins like golf. And he's had a couple – finishes here in the last four or five events that frankly haven't been up to his standard. And then again, Patrick Welch, uh, not, not in the lineup. He's the sixth guy, Ben Lorenz subbed in for him at regionals. So this is a team I don't think is firing on all cylinders, but one of the best coaches in college golf and Ryan Hibble. And, you know, he, he lives for these, you know, types of, you know, types of championships. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he really knows how to motivate the guys. So I, I, I wouldn't count out Oklahoma, but um, you like Pepperdine. I, I like Texas. I, I, I think that they're peaking at the right time. Cole Hammer's been, been great. Pearson Cootie's been a player of the year type. I, I think if he wins or, or, or maybe top threes this week, I think he'll win the Haskins award and then Parker Cootie playing well again. So yeah, I like Texas, Texas trending. No, no doubt. Uh, I think in a good spot, um, no Walker cup hangover from hammer and cootie where you could argue maybe Cummins had a little bit, or as you said, maybe not playing his best stuff. It was funny. Cause I, I talked to Ryan Hibble the other day, uh, as these teams were rolling in early. And I said, well, that was interesting. He said, try watching it firsthand as they really weren't going to do it. But he's like, you know what? He gave me that look and he said, now people aren't talking about us as much. Maybe we're a little bit off the radar or maybe they're counting us out. And he said his team usually plays better when people are overlooking them. We're talking about him right now. <laughs> well, you and I are, but food for thought because people now yeah, maybe have, you know, jumped to that. And I said, I put that in my back pocket. So I throw it out there. Uh, Let's see, you know, hey, they're still one of the top two, three, four teams in the country. Um, you know, food for thought, Oklahoma State certainly playing well. Uh, well, speaking of, of not talking about teams, we're, no one's talking about Arizona State right now, and, and, and they're the host. I, I feel like every story was about Greyhawk and getting to Greyhawk. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Burko, I, I haven't – I mean, I, I haven't written, any, written anything about Arizona State. I, I, I feel like they're – they're the ultimate sleeper for, for not being a sleeper. Yeah. Oh, I mean, can't argue with that. I'm just looking again. They just teed off and I have to make mention the Florida Gators are leading at two <laughs> under par. Elvis it might be with, the only... with two birdies to start Elvis Lynn. Yeah. So I had to throw that out there as we uh, wind down. Uh, Take a this screenshot one. of that. Just, just oh. in case. <laughs> Um, you're right. ASU, no one's really talked about them. I'm intrigued to see Liberty, who's had a wonderful season, um, just how good they are. 
I mean, now you're playing with the big boys, San Francisco. It's, it, it's a different looking championship from the back half, but I think that's what makes it good. Uh, who's going to win individually? Team. Yeah, they are. Who yeah. do you think is going to win individually? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, real quick about Liberty, though. I, I saw them mm -hmm. play. I drove up to Tallahassee for that final round, and, 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 and they're the type of team that has that volatility in terms of they can have guys shoot 64, which is, I think, what you need, and you just need it to be your week. But um, what did you say, uh, uh, individual champion? Yeah, throw a couple names at me. That's tough. I, I've actually been uh, <laughs> I've been scrolling through that 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 points bet odds because they had they have odds and uh, I mean they're they're going to be closed by the time people are listening to the, to this podcast. But it's it's a little bit interesting, but um, it is a good resource to kind of help me pick. And I, I don't know. I, I I know that I know who you're probably going to pick. So so I think I need to need to pick somebody else. But uh, I'm going to go Ludwig Aberg, Texas Tech. Really um, good pick. Really good pick. It's he he's played well in a few of their tournaments. I believe he won the the prestige, which is you know a a, a desert a desert course. Um, so even though he's from Sweden, I, I think maybe he likes this target golf, and so he's someone that that I could see shooting fifteen under um, through these four rounds because I, I think someone's going to get in, in the, into double digits easily. Uh, Rachel Heck probably should have been in. Uh, double digits but um yeah I, I i i like ludwig i like texas tech as a sleeper um they're a team that we thought were going to be one of the top four or five teams in the country coming into the year sandy scott got hurt um but they're you know they they got a bunch of guys who are just scrappy scrappy players maybe not a lot of household names kyle hogan andy lopez but those guys can make a lot of birdies and Ludwig's one of them, uh, won the Jones Cup earlier this year, contender for the Haskins Award. Um, so, yeah, he's he's my pick. I, I, I would also say watch out for John Pack just because everyone's talking about distance, 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 distance. And this guy, you know, gets it out there, one of the straightest guys off the tee, tee to green. And if he hits 18 fairways and, or sorry, 18 greens and 14 fairways, uh, he's going to be hard to beat. San Diego State, a team I had said keep an eye on them heading into regionals. I'll continue to throw them out as a under-the-radar flyer kind of squad that will make it uh, to match play led by the great name in college golf, Kuwadanupan Subsai, who, by the way, the PGA Tour U rankings will finish up. He's 15th. That's another element we'll jump into uh, with your writing and our hits and our broadcast. And... We were sort of spitballing names. David Pooge from Arizona State won the first two events of the spring. He's dropped back a little bit. I know there is tremendous value if you go down the uh, true odds and, and wager world. He's um, 500 to 1. 500 to 1 to win. He won, David he won Pepperdine. I know he won Pepperdine's event by what? Eight Who is doing these odds, Burko? <laughs> yeah, if this, yeah, I know we want to toe a fine line with college sports and betting. Um, oh, they're they're going to be all betting anyways in I know. years. Tremendous value, but we wanted to do uh, jump on, do a quick uh, recap of the women, quick preview of the men. We'll certainly do it again when the NCAAs are all over, but enjoy it. Have fun. Brentley and Burke go signing out for now, but we will touch base next week after we have crowned a national championship.
winner individually and team over on the men's side. Take care.